Hello and welcome to the Political History of the United States. Season 2, Supplement 1. The Declaration of the Gentlemen, Merchants, and Inhabitants of Boston and the Country Adjacent. We have seen more than a decade of years rolled away since the English world had discovery of a horrid popish plot wherein the bloody devotees of Rome had in their designs and prospects no less than the extinction of the Protestant religion, which mighty work they called the utter subduing of pestilent heresies, wherein, they said, there never were such hopes of success and the death of Queen Mary as now in our days. And we were of all men the most insensible. If we should apprehend a country so remarkable for true profession and pure exercise of the Protestant religion as New England is, wholly unconcerned in the infamous plot to crush and break a country so entirely and singly made up of the Reformed churches, land at length to involve it in the miseries of an utter extirpation, must need carry even a superabrogation of merit with it. Among such as were intoxicated with a bigotry inspired into them by the great scarlet whore. To get us within the reach of desolation desired for us, it was no improper thing that we should have our first charter vacated, and the hedge which kept us from the wild beasts of the field effectually broken down. The accomplishment of this was hastened by the unwearied solicitations and slanderous accusations of a man for his malice and falsehood well known unto us all. Our charter was, with a most injurious pretense, and scarce that, of law, condemned before it was possible for us to appear at Westminster in legal defense of it, and without a fair leaf to answer for ourselves concerning the crimes falsely laid to our charge. We were put under a president in council, without any liberty, for an assembly which the other American plantations have by a commission from His Majesty. The commission was as illegal for the form of it as the way of obtaining it was malicious and unreasonable. Yet, we made no resistance thereunto, as we could easily have done, but chose to give it all mankind a demonstration of our being a people sufficiently dutiful and loyal to our king. And this yet more satisfaction because we took pains to make ourselves believe as much as ever we could of the wheedle then offered unto us, that his majesty's desire was no other than the happy increase and advance of these provinces by their more immediate dependence on the crown of England. And we were conveyed of it by the courses immediately taken to damp and spoil our trade, whereof decays and complaints presently filled all the country. Well, in the meantime, neither the honor nor the treasure of the king was at all advanced by his new model of our affairs, but a considerable charge added unto the crown. In little more than half a year, we saw this commission superseded by another, yet more absolute and arbitrary, with which Sir Edmund Andros arrived as our governor, who, besides his power, with the advice and consent of his council to make laws and raise taxes as he pleased, had also authority by himself to muster and employ all persons residing in the territory as occasion shall serve, and to transfer such forces to any English plantation in America, as occasions shall require. And several companies of redcoats were now brought from Europe to support what was to be imposed upon us, not without repeated menaces that some hundreds more were intended for us. 
The governor was no sooner in these hands, but care was taken to load preferments principally upon such men as were strangers to and haters of the people. And every one observed hath noted what qualifications recommended a man to public office and employment. Only here and there a good man was used, where others could not be easily had. The governor himself, with assertions now, and then falling from his, made us jealous that it would be thought for his majesty's interest if this people were removed and another succeeded in their room. And his far-fetched instruments that were growing rich among us would gravely inform us that it was not for his majesty's interest that we should thrive. But of all our oppressors, we were chiefly squeezed by a crew of abject persons fetched from New York to be the tools of the adversary standing at our right hand. But these were extraordinary and intolerable seas, extorted from every one upon all occasions, without any rules but those of their own insatiable avarice and beggary. And even the probate of a will must now cost as many pounds, perhaps as it did shillings, heretofore. Nor could a small volume contain the other illegalities done by these horse leeches in two or three years that they have been sucking of us. And what laws they made, it was as impossible for us to know as dangerous for us to break. But we shall leave the men of Ipswich and Plymouth, among others, to tell the story of the kindness which has been shown um, upon this account. Doubtless a land so ruled as once New England was, has not without many ears and sighs beheld the wicked walking on every side, and the vilest men exalted. It was now plainly affirmed, both by some in open council and by the same in private converse, that the people in New England were all slaves, and the only difference between them and slaves is their not being bought and sold. And it was a maxim delivered in open court unto us by one of the council, that we must not think of the privileges of Englishmen would follow us to the end of the world. Accordingly, we have been treated with multiplied contradictions to the Magna Carta, the rights of which we laid claim unto. Persons who did but peacefully object against the raising of taxes without an assembly have been for it fined, some 20, some 30, and others 50 pounds. Packed and picked juries have been very common things amongst us. When under a pretend form of law, the trouble of some perhaps honest and worthy men has been named at. But when some of this gang have been brought upon the stage for the most detestable enormities that ever the sun beheld, all men have seen what methods have been, taken that they might not be treated according to their crimes, without a verdict, yea, without a jury, sometimes have people been fined most unrighteously, and some not of the meanest quality have been kept in long and close imprisonment, without any the least information appearing against them, or an habeas corpus allowing unto them. In short, when our millstones have been a little out of money, Twas but pretending some offense to be inquired into, and the most innocent of men were continually put into no small expense to answer the demands of the officers, who must have money of them, or a prison for them, though none could accuse them of any misdemeanor. To plunge the poor people everywhere into deeper incapacities, there was one very comprehensive abuse given to us. Multitudes of pious and sober men throughout the land scrupled the mode of swearing on the book, desiring that they might swear with an uplifted hand, agreeable to the ancient customs of the colony. And though we think we can prove that the common law against us, 
as well as in some other places under the English crown, not only indulge, but even commands and enjoins the right of lifting a hand and swearing, yet they that have this doubt were still put by form serving on any juries, and many of them were most unaccountably fined and imprisoned. Thus one grievance is a Trojan horse, in the belly of which it is not easy to recount how many insufferable vexations have been contained. Because these things could not make us miserable fast enough, there was a noticeable discovery made of, we know not what flaw in all our titles to our lands. And though besides our purchase of them from the natives, and besides our actual peaceful unquestioned possession of them, for near three score, and besides the promise of King Charles II, in his proclamation sent over to us in the year of 1683, that no man here shall receive any prejudice, his freehold, or estate. We had the grant of our lands under the seal of Council of Plymouth, which grant was renewed and confirmed unto us by King Charles I. Under the great seal of England and the general court, which consisted of the patentees and their associates, had made particular grants hereof to several towns, though twas now denied by the governors that there was any such thing as a town. Among us, to all which grants the general court annexed for the further securing of them, a general act published under the seal of the colony in the year 1684. Yet, we were every day told that no man was an owner of a foot of land in all the colony. Accordingly, Writs of intrusion began everywhere to be served on the people, that after all their sweat and their cost upon their formerly purchased lands, thought themselves freeholders of what they had. And the governor caused the lands pertaining to these and those particular men to be measured out for his creatures to take possession of, and the right owners for pulling up the stakes have passed through the molestations enough to tire all the patients in the world. They are more than a few that were there by terrors driven to take patents for their land at an excessive rate, to save them from the necks that might petition for them. And we fear that the forcing of the people at the eastward hereunto gave too much rise to the late unhappy invasion made by the Indians on them. Blake patents were got ready for the rest of us to be sold at a price that all the monies immovable in the territory could scarce have paid. And several towns in the country had their commons begged by persons, even by some of the council themselves, who have been privately encouraged thereunto by those that sought for occasion to improve a land already peeled, meted out, and trodden down. All the council were not engaged in these ill actions, but those of them which were true lovers of their country were seldom admitted to and seldom consulted at the debates which produced these unrighteous things. Care was taken to keep them under disadvantage, and the governor with five or six more did what they would. We bore all these and many, many more sure things without making any attempt for any relief. Only Mr. Mather, purely out of respect unto the good of his afflicted country, undertook a voyage to England, which, when these men suspected him to be preparing for, they used all manner of craft and rage, not only to interrupt his voyage, but to ruin his person too. God having through many difficulties given him to arrive at Whitehall, the king more than once or twice promised him a certain Magna Carta, 
for a speedy redress of the many things which we were groaning under. And in the meantime said that our governor should be ridden unto to forbear the measures that he was upon. However, after this, we were injured in those very things which we were complained of. And besides what wrong hath been done in our civil concerns, we suppose that the ministers and the churches everywhere have been our sacred concerns, a pace going after them. How they have been discontenanced has had a room the reflections of every man that is not a stranger in our Israel. And yet that our calamity might not be terminated here, we are again briared in the perplexities of another Indian war. How or why is a mystery too deep for us to unfold? And thou tis judged, there are not one hundred of our enemy, yet an army of one thousand English hath been raised for the conquering of them, which army of our poor friends and brethren now under popish commanders, for in the army as well as in the council papists are in commission, has been under such a conduct that not one Indian hath been killed, but more English are supposed to have died through sickness and hardship, and in a way little satisfactory to their friends, than we have been adversaries there alive. And the whole war hath been so managed that we can't but suspect in it a branch of the plot to bring us low, which we propound further to be in due time inquired into. We did nothing against these proceedings, but only cried to our God. They have caused the cry of the poor to come unto him and he hears the cry of the afflicted. We have been quiet hitherto, and so still we should have been, had not the great God at this time laid us under a double engagement to do something for our security. Besides, what we have in the strangely unanimous inclination, which our countrymen by extremist necessities are driven unto. For first, we are informed that the rest of the English America is alarmed, with just and great fears, that they may be attacked by the French, who have lately, tis said, already treated many of the English with worse than Turkish cruelties. And while we are in equal danger of being surprised by them, it is high time we should be better guarded than we are like to be while the government remains in the hands by which it hath been held of late. Moreover, we have understood, though the governor has taken all imaginable care to keep us all ignorant thereof, that the Almighty God hath been pleased to prosper the noble undertaking of the Prince of Orange, to preserve the three kingdoms from the horrible brinks of popery and slavery, and to bring a condemned punishment those worst of men by whom English liberties have been destroyed, in compliance with which glorious action we ought surely to follow the patterns which our nobility, gentry, and commonality in several parts of the kingdom have set before us, though they therein have chiefly proposed to prevent what we already endure. We do therefore seize upon the persons of those few men which have been, next to our sins, the grand authors of our miseries, resolving to secure them for what justice orders from his highness with the parliament shall direct, lest we are aware we find what we may fear being on all sides in danger, ourselves to be by them given away to a foreign power, before such orders can reach into us, for which orders we now humbly wait. In the meantime, firmly believing that we have endeavored nothing but what mere duty to God and our country calls for at our hands. 
We commit our enterprise unto the blessings of him who hears the cry of the oppressed and advise all our neighbors from whom we have thus ventured ourselves to join with us in prayers and all just actions for the prosperity of the land. Signed, April 18th, 1689.